Uh, for a while, these bracelets were a popular phenomenon in our culture, and they posed the question, what would Jesus do? They were meant to help the person who was wearing them think about that question in such a way they would say, what should I do? Because disciples of Jesus should be doing what Jesus does and behaving as Jesus behaves. So the focus in that bracelet and the question is on our behavior, not so much as on what Jesus would actually do. Now, during this month of June, this is June, yes, June, we're, we're taking a spin off that, that question and we're asking, what would Jesus undo? Now, the purpose behind this question is to help us see what we should stop doing. What things are we doing that we should stop doing? What things ought we not to do because we're followers of Jesus Christ? Our attention this morning, as you'll see from the title printed in your order of worship, is on the avoidance of empty or hollow worship. The title of the sermon is, What Would Jesus Undo? Hollow or Empty Worship. The idea of hollow worship is presented to us in Matthew chapter 15, in verses 7 to 9. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 15. It's in page 746 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to turn to it in that. In these verses that we're going to read, we're going to hear Jesus quoting from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And Jesus says in verses 7 to 9, quoting Isaiah, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Jesus literally said that the worship, their worship was matain. It's, it's in vain. It's unreal. It, it serves no purpose. They were worshiping in vain. Their worship wasn't taking them anywhere. Their worship served no real purpose. It, it, it doesn't take them where they need to go. It's rather like a person climbing a ladder that doesn't go anywhere. It's just useless. The NIV translates this verse, They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So Jesus wants us to stop doing empty worship. Now to fully understand what he's saying, we've got to back up to the beginning of the chapter and look at the story that's behind it. Verse 1. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They were a fact-finding mission. They, they were Pharisees and scribes who were coming to Galilee to see what Jesus was all about. Was he teaching right things? Uh, was he behaving in proper ways? It seems that they were more interested in criticizing Jesus than they were in understanding him. They focused their criticism on their discovery that Jesus' disciples weren't properly washing their hands before they ate. They asked Jesus, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. There was a deliberate, precise way you had to wash your hands before you ate a meal. And you had to do it before every meal. That was part of the tradition of the elders. Their question implies this. What, what are you going to do about this, Jesus? 
There's a rule, and it's being broken. What are you going to do about it? Now, the hand-washing idea was a good rule. It's always a, a good thing to do. That was one of my dad's favorite verses of the Bible, I think, growing up. Uh, it's a valuable thing to do. But it didn't come directly from the Old Testament. It was part of the tradition of the elders, teaching and rules that had been developed and set down over centuries of work by Jewish scholars. The problem was, in Jesus' mind, as you'll see in just a moment, that for these scribes and Pharisees, the tradition of the elders was equal in authority to the Old Testament writings. As a matter of fact, Jesus points out that were the two in conflict, the Jews would opt for the tradition of the elders over the Old Testament scriptures in terms of giving us instructions for how we should live. Verse 3 in Matthew 15, Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Jesus simply tells them that their rules... Their teaching should not replace the instructions given to them by God to help us live the way God wants us to live. Now, as is often the case, Jesus doesn't soften his rebuke. He calls them hypocrites. You hypocrites. Hypocriti is the word he uses. It's an actor. It's, it's somebody playing a part. It's someone pretending to be something that they're not. These are very harsh words. Jesus says to these scribes and Pharisees, you're pretending to be religious leaders of Israel, but you're not. You're false. You're pretenders. You're posers. They're false teachers and leaders because they've taken the tradition of the elders and given it priority over the teaching of God. And then he compared them to those who were in leadership in the day of Isaiah. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. So we're saying this morning that Jesus doesn't want us to waste our time or God's time on vain, hollow, empty worship. It serves no purpose. It's essentially dead. So what's the solution for us? Well, let's think about it this morning together. First, we note that Jesus connected their empty worship with human rules, human commandments. The hand-washing rules that began this conversation were focused not on hygiene, but on ceremonial cleanliness. If you were not clean, you could not go to the temple for worship. Everybody wanted to be clean. And they had all these rules about how you would maintain your cleanliness. So there's this connection here with worship. 
Now, we have all sorts of unwritten rules about worship. Every single church does. They're not written. They're never posted, but they're there. If you go to a church and you're new and you break the rules, sooner or later you're going to find out about it. There are rules about the kind of music we sing, the way we sing it, uh, what kind of worship postures are acceptable in that church, even where we sit. People have rules. I mean, why, why do Wendy and I sit in the same part of the congregation, same spot we've sat in since the first Sunday we came? Well, there's maybe reasons for that. But most of us do that. You know, I, I, if you're not sitting in the right spot when I'm up here, I notice that. <laughs> and it throws me off. Makes me, makes me nervous. We have rules. Uh, we have human preferences, actually. Just like we have a preference for sitting here. I, anywhere I go, I try to sit in the front row so I can hear better and see better. Uh, but we have human preferences that have a way of becoming rules. And that can get in the way of our worship. They can be helpful to our worship, but they can also hinder our worship. We have to remember that these rules that we have are not the end. They're not the goal. They are the means to an end. And the end, the goal, what we're aiming at, what the rules are supposed to help us do, is to worship. Now, what is worship? What is our aim? What are we aiming at? I, I'd like to quote to you from an Anglican archbishop. He died in 1944, William Temple. And he says this, To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship is to connect with God in a way that changes us. It changes our mind. Worship changes our heart. Worship changes our will. Worship's not a list of things that, that we check off and say, well, I've worshipped. Well, I came to church, I sang, I put money in the offering, I, I prayed, uh, I listened, uh, sort of. I worshipped. That's, that's not worship. Worship is connecting with God with the result that our lives are changed. Our minds, our imaginations, our hearts are changed because we've been with God. We've been in the presence of God. The change doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen quickly. It actually takes a lifetime. A lifetime of change. What we aspire to is true worship, as Jesus calls it. True worship. The hour is coming now, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, Jesus said, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. That's what we want, is true worship. Now, while our human rules can be impediments to worship, our view of God is even more important. We worship in vain when we worship a God who is the creation of our own ideas about God. It is not the God revealed to us in Scripture or revealed to us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking to a businessman. Maybe this will you'll help me understand what I'm saying. 
I was talking to a businessman a, a couple of, maybe six weeks ago. And I've known the fellow for a long time. Grew up in the church. Uh, has served faithfully in the church. But has gotten very busy in his business. And he said, you know, I've, I've neglected the reading of Scripture over the, the years because of my busyness. And he said, lately I've started to really pay attention to that. And I started reading the Scripture. And I said, well, that's a great thing. That's, that's, he said, you know, I'm, it, it's bothering me. And I said, well, what's bothering you? He said, the God I'm seeing in the Bible doesn't seem to be the God we're worshiping in our church on Sunday. And it just hit me. Even good churches can fall into that error. We, we, create, we recreate God in an image that we want him to be. Uh, it doesn't matter whether we're Mennonites, Baptists, or Presbyterians. We, we can do that. We can recreate God in our own image. And when we're worshiping the God we've created in our minds, that's exactly what Jesus defined as hypocrisy when we replace God's word with human rules. We've replaced God's self-revelation with our own idea of what God should be. We even do that individually. I'll, I'll be reading my Bible sometimes in the morning, and I'll read something, and I'll say, that can't be right, that's, that's not good. And I'll think, shame on me. Who am I to say what God should be or what God should do? This was a major issue for A.W. Tozer, pastor of Southside Alliance Church in Chicago. And in the latter years of his life, he pastored a church in Toronto. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our own mental image of God. When we come to church, we need to worship truly the God revealed in Scripture and revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, and be careful not to worship the God of our own making, the God we're comfortable with, the God we like. The third thing we need to think about are the words of Isaiah. These people draw near to me with their, their lips, but with their heart is far from me. Two weeks ago, as I was sitting in my normal spot, I was singing away with enthusiasm, and it suddenly struck me that my mind was not on what I was singing at all. I was not paying any attention at all to the words I was singing. I, was, I might as well have been a robot singing. Well, I was preaching that day, so you might think, well, your mind was on the sermon. Sorry, it wasn't. My mind was on supper. <laughs> Wendy was volunteering at the open doors, and I was saying, what am I going to fix for supper tonight? What's in the freezer? What's in the refrigerator? I thought, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be worshiping. I'm singing these songs. I'm not giving any thought to them whatsoever. That is a picture of vain, empty, hollow worship. You want to know what the empty, hollow? Look at me over there singing, not paying any attention at all to what I'm singing. 
person would have looked at me and said, that guy's worshiping. Nope. What we need in our worship, whether we're praying, singing, listening to the word, listening to, to a sermon, meditating, is to keep our attention on God, not all these other things that distract us. I heard a great Scottish preacher 50 years ago preaching about following Jesus. He was talking about his own quiet life time, and he said, I'm reading my Bible in the morning, and all of a sudden my mind is going over all the things I have to do that day. And I was shocked. This guy was this, he was a giant in the pulpit. And I said, this guy's just like me. That's what I do. And he said, all I do is I just reach out, and I grab my mind, and I pull it back to the Scripture. And he said, I just have to keep doing that over and over and over again. That's what we do in worship. If your mind starts to wander, drag it back. You might have to do that a hundred times in a worship service if you're like me. Keep doing it. Keep pulling your mind back to God. Keep bringing your attention back to Him. What we're doing is cultivating the habit of being attentive to God. And if we can cultivate that habit in church... It will help us throughout the week to be attentive to God. So don't write yourself off as a worshiper. Just keep bringing your thoughts back to God. Bring your attention back to Him. Now we're going to do a little laboratory experience in this. The worship team is going to come back and they're going to lead us in four songs. We're going to give. And, and uh, then we're going to sing four songs. So in this lab experience, as you give, keep your thoughts focused on God. As you sing... Pay attention to the words and let those words take you to God. Keep moving towards God. Keep moving towards connecting with God. If your mind wanders, bring it back. If you start thinking about the business meeting, bring it back. If you start thinking about the picnic, bring it back. If you think about going to the lake, bring it back. Keep coming back. Let's not be engaged in hollow worship. Let's keep our attention fixed on God.